into his kingdom. When Manasseh knew, then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Afterward, he built an outer wall for the city of David, west of Gihon in the valley, for the entrance into the fish gate, and carried it around Ophel, and raised it to a very great height. He also put commanders of the army in all the fortified cities in Judah, and he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord, and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord, and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside the city. He also restored the altar of the Lord, and the altar on its sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving, and he commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel. Nevertheless, the people still sacrificed at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. So, this story, so my message to the title is God's Grace. So, Manasseh, it said at the beginning of the chapter, he's Hezekiah's son. Hezekiah obviously did follow the Lord because he broke down all those idols. Well, Manasseh, when he came into reign, which I thought was interesting because he's Hezekiah's son. So he was raised by Hezekiah, but then he chose not to follow, you know, the Lord um, and go against. So I thought that was just like, dude, you were raised by Hezekiah. How can you not? But, I mean, I know from experience, (laughs) you raise children sometimes, you know, but there is a promise. Raise your children the way they should go, and they will not depart from it. So I just thought that was interesting. So it says that he did evil in the eyes of the Lord, right? And so God spoke to them and said, this is what you need to do to be successful in your life. I don't know if this rings any bells, but he did not listen, (laughs) nor his people. And so God brought the army of Assyria against him. And then in his trouble, he turned to the Lord. So that's what I want to point out is that he knew that he could not do anything in his own strength. So he was like, you know, I'm surrounded by this army. I need help, Lord. And it didn't say, God said, oh, nope, you didn't listen to me. Sorry, got stuff to do. You know, you're a bad, bad boy. I'm leaving you where you're at. See you later. It said that he heard his entreaty. He had compassion on him, which I like to, you know, kind of it's synonymous to me with grace. Um, God helped him. He heard him. And then it not only said that he restored him, to himself, but he restored him to his kingdom. So he didn't say, okay, well, I'll forgive you, but you can't be king of the people anymore because you messed up. He didn't even do that. And like Karina was saying during worship, it's like the Old Testament promises, we see these wonderful, beautiful stories of God, how he rescued us and stuff, and his grace and his love, but how much more that we have Jesus in the new covenant. So And I love Old Testament stories. Um, I don't know if you've heard my testimony, but um, I was a Christian for a long time and never read the Bible front to back and never even read stories in the Old Testament. The only way I heard of them was from other people or preachers, you know, preaching it. But when I actually did read the Bible, um, it's amazing. These stories are like, and I would hear my husband talk about them. I'm like, that's the Bible? Like there's so it's so interesting. Like the, this it's like um, a wonderful movie, like the Lord of the Rings. You know, it's got action, love, advent. You know, it's everything. I'm like, wow, it's so awesome. So, 
God's grace <coughs> is for us and it's for keeping us even better today because we have Jesus. And so the second story I wanted to look at was the Ninevites. In Jonah chapters 3 and 4, I didn't even bring mine, so. So, chapter three. <coughs> Everybody knows probably the story of Jonah, but again, when I was reading it, it's like so much stuff pops up. Okay, so beginning of chapter three. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh. Let's see. Mm. Sorry. According to the word of the Lord, now Nineveh was was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown, and the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes, as he And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Amen. Um, (coughs) The beginning of chapter 4, excuse me, says, Jonah's anger and the Lord's compassion. Verse 1, so, but this displeased Jonah exceedingly. Wow, Jonah. (laughs) And he was angry, and he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is not this what I, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. So I want to stop there. When I, (coughs) sorry, when I heard about the story of Jonah, I was thinking that he booked it and went to Tarshish because he was afraid of what the Ninevites were going to do to him if he tried to go into the city, right? But then when I was reading this, that's not why he didn't want to go. Listen to what he says right here. For I knew that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, relenting from disaster. That's why he didn't want to go, y'all, because he knew that God was going to be gracious on them and not strike them down. Jonah, 
up with you, bro? So he took off because he was like, uh, I don't know. Okay, so he said, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. He was so upset that God wanted to be merciful to these horrible sinners that he wanted to die. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself. How many of y'all have made a booth for yourself outside the city? That's me. I've done that. (laughs) Waiting for the city to burn, right? Like you see something unjust going on or someone did something wrong to you or to others or whatever. And you're like, burn, baby, burn. (laughs) Burn and ring of fire. And you just make a booth and wait for justice to strike, for the Lord to have his, you know, vengeance. And so he's sitting there, sitting there. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant because he was very hot and the plant gave him shade, right? But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, Yes, I do do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night but should I not pity Nineveh that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also much cattle so God was saying like you're going to be mad over this plant like have mercy over it because it died and it's not giving you what you want but you're not going to be pitiful for these people you want to watch them burn like I made them I made those animals I love them I created them and they decided to repent and turn to me and um the the definition in Greek is for repentance is change of mind reorientation so that's all it is I mean I know a lot of people we have the image of repentance in our head of you know, begging God to forgive us, which I guess there might be an element in that, but all it is is you're turning away from what you're currently doing that's displeasing God, but not focusing on that. You're deciding, you know what, I'm not going to focus on that anymore. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm doing. You know, so you turn your eyes on God, and that's what they chose to do after that warning. And God was so graceful and merciful. He didn't say, you horrible sinners, I'm going to do this I mean he was and he gave them the opportunity to repent and that's another key thing is God always gives you an opportunity he's not going to leave you where you're at and just be like you're disgusting I don't want anything more to do with you he's going to warn you first give you a chance like I have a much better life for you this way come this way look at me and they chose to do that okay third and last story is of Daniel Actually, it's of Nebuchadnezzar, but we're going to go to Daniel chapter 4, verse 28. 
Daniel three twenty eight. So this is something that I also found interesting because Nebuchadnezzar, if you remember, was the king that um, was commanding everyone to bow down to the golden image, right? That was um, Meshach, Radshach, and Abednego in the burning fire. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> those guys, those three guys, and then the fourth one in the fire, you know. Um, we sing the song about it. <laughs> there was another in the fire. Um, so, yeah, he, he witnessed that. And then when that happened, they came out not even smelling like smoke. He said, surely your God is the one true God, right? And then after seeing that, it's like, people, but then I can't even, you know, I, we've all been there. But it's like he, he saw that awesome thing happen, and he even said, I'm going to worship God from now on. Well, he decided to get prideful, and we start at verse 28, chapter 4 of Daniel. Um, he had a dream, and then Daniel interpreted it. And he it said, all this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. So it was like bad stuff that was going to happen to him, and it came upon him. <coughs> Excuse me. At the end of 12 months, he was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon. And the king answered and said, is not this great Babylon, which I have built by my mighty power as royal residence and for the glory of my majesty? While the words were still coming out of his mouth, or in the mouth of the king, there fell a voice from heaven, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you, and you shall be driven from among men, and your dwelling shall be in the beast with the beasts of the field. You shall be made to eat grass like an ox, and seven periods of time shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom, rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will. Immediately the word was fulfilled against Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from among men and ate grass like an ox, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven until his hair grew as long as the eagle's feathers, and his nails were like bird's claws. At the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my reason returned to me, and I blessed the Most High God, and praised and honored him who lives forever. <coughs> for his is dominion. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom endures from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, and he does according to his will among the hosts of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay in his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty, and my splendor returned to me. My counselors, the Lord, sought me, and I was established in my kingdom, and still more greatness was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, for all his works are right, and his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. So again, <coughs> he let pride get the best of him, so he did worship. He was worshiping the Lord. 
and he decided, you know, this is this this is my kingdom. You know, I created all this. So he forgot the Lord. He forgot all the good things that God was the one that placed him as king over that kingdom, and he decided to worship himself basically and give himself honor. So um, he became like God told him. Like again, he warned him first. He still decided to be prideful, and then for a while was a thing and then he decided to repent and turn away and look towards God so that's the key is when we decide you know enough is enough I know God is God he is good I'm going to turn away from this turn towards him he's merciful he's waiting for us with arms wide open he's always there with our arms wide open we just have to make the decision which is change of mind reorientation that's repentance um, and so I just want to go over a couple of New Testament scriptures to pull it all together in the light of Jesus. So that was Old Covenant, you guys. So just imagine those stories and then how much more, like Karina was saying, with Jesus. So Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. What does it say? Uh, 2-4. What's the whole thing? 2-4, Ephesians 2-4. And 2-8. Yeah, 2-8. Okay. 2-4. Okay. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love for which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. It is the gift of God. Um, yes. So when we were dead in our trespasses, like all those guys in the Old Testament, they didn't have a Savior. They, they, just, they were dead in trespasses. And the richness and love of God, and that's what it also says, the kindness of God is what draws men to repentance. Not us saying, you're disgusting, you're a horrible sinner, you're burning in hell unless you accept Jesus, which I mean, it's true, it's true, but that's not God's heart towards anybody, and that's not that shouldn't be our heart as we are trying to minister to others. It should always be love, because that's what it's all about. Um, the next scripture is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. <coughs> Excuse me. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. So like the Old Testament story, that it's, it's a mirror, it's a shadow of what was to come, which was Jesus, right? So in the Old Testament stories, they were made perfect in their weakness because they didn't have a savior. They only had the decision to turn away from what they were doing. And that's what the law did. The law put a mirror in their face and said, you're not good enough to do this by yourself. 
do have to offer sacrifices and, you know, do this by faith and, and, and walk with me, God. And a lot of people chose to do that. Um, and they were saved through grace, I believe. Um, and then now it says, um, you're made perfect. My power is made perfect in weakness because it's Jesus that lives in us. So we have no weakness. If Jesus is living inside of you, you are his perfect strength. You have everything that he has plus more, and he has no weakness. Um, Hebrews 4.16 is the next one. Coming in for a landing. Pastor Mike coming in. Um, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So, again, I'm going to use how much more, how much more, you know, if we're a wild beast in the field <laughs> with eagle's claws and fur and God just took that away because he decided to look to him, how much more? With Jesus living inside of us, is God willing to extend his love and grace and compassion to us? And that is, it's just amazing. God's grace is amazing. Um, so next one is Romans 6.14. Yes, Romans 4.16. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the ones who shares grace as Abraham, who is the father of us all. So it wasn't just to the ones that were back in the laws, even more, how much more, how much more now with Jesus and faith in him. Um, and then we're going to go with uh, James 4, 6. We're almost done, guys. 4, 6, 4, I'm sorry, 6, 14. Hmm. Okay, now it's like, I don't remember that one. Let's read. What did I say now? James 4, 6. Okay, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And in that story, um, it says that he's able to humble the proud. You know, he's able to do it, but they he chose. He chose to humble himself. He could have just been wandering around in the field, <laughs> you know, furry and needing his nails clipped but he chose to make towards God okay last one guys Romans 5 8 I love this one but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners Christ died for us 
So, while we were still sinners, and I know my I wasn't here, but I guess Pastor Mike, that was his last message, right? I was actually going to do a podcast on it. Are we sinners saved by grace? Because you hear that term a lot. Um, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not a sinner anymore. It says while we were still sinners, right? That's past tense. Once you accept Jesus into your heart, you're no longer a sinner. You are saved by grace, but you're no longer a sinner. You're made righteous in him, and he is sin-free. So we are a new creation. We are made perfect. We are made everything that he is. And that's not to say, like, I'm Jesus, I'm your Savior, not like that. But we are made exactly how he is. And that is amazing. We can look at ourselves, our image. We're no longer looking in a mirror at the law. We're looking at the mirror and see Jesus. That's who we should be seeing when we look at ourselves. And he was amazing. No sin. He was tempted in all the ways that humans are tempted. He did not sin. And that's the place that we hold now. So I just want to encourage all of you guys. Don't look at your past. If you're looking back, you can't see what's in front of you. Um, my daughter, Augie, <laughs> likes to do that a lot. She likes to run and look behind her. <laughs> and that's unfortunately why you see bumps and scars <laughs> and scratches because she finds her head hitting a lot of inanimate objects because she loves to do that. So don't look what's behind you. Look at what's ahead, which is righteousness, right? And, and, and sanctification and perfection. Amen. So I just encourage you. God's grace is sufficient for you. Amen. Thank you, God.